In the face of this, we, Lord, are but small candles illumining ourselves, but not passing the light and the heat to others. I ask you, Jesus, send forth your spirit upon this group today. Take that small flame and fan it into a great fire, a fire that has passion to live for you, to live for others, but most importantly, to know you personally, which is the greatest good on this earth. We ask this in the intercession of Our Lady who knew you more intimately than everyone who's ever known you as we pray. Hail Mary. <clears throat> the Lord is with thee. <clears throat> blessed art thou among women. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, all for Jesus. Let me give you that. <clears throat> You guys, it's great to be here with you. Uh, first time ever in San Jose. I'm from North Dakota. We got snow on the ground. It's like 15 degrees. So it's, I woke up and it was beautiful. However, I am missing hunting season on my birthday. Um, but I'm much more happier to be here. My brother said he's like, <clears throat> I just, he, my brother's a priest too. And uh, he texted me this morning. He's like, happy 38th, brother. And he said, it's too bad we couldn't have hung out. And I'm like, are you kidding me, man? I was, I'm doing today what I was born to do. I am preaching the gospel. I couldn't think of a better way to spend my birthday. And as I spent it with you guys, the thing that kept coming to me over and over again is, <clears throat> I think that young people have this misconception. They have a misconception about the faith. And that is, this misconception is simply this. That living for Jesus is boring. It's lame. It takes away my fun. It ruins my good time. As if, as if, the people that, the sinners, right? The people that are idiots. The people that are having sex, drinking, watching porn, doing whatever, thinking about themselves, living a life that they want to live, that they're the ones that are having the good time, and the, my faith, all it is a bunch of rules, and all I do is miss out on the good time. <clears throat> Does that seem like a, a fair... A fair assessment. You just shake your head. You don't have to, you know, like, okay, at least we got one honest young lady over there, okay? <clears throat> the rest of you are just too scared. But as I got thinking about this, I was like, <clears throat> the reason you believe this is because it's what's fed to you day in and day out. The world is telling you over and over. It's in your social media feeds. It's on TV. It's in the books you read. It's in the posts. It's in everything. That the fun life is the life of fame. I don't know if you know this, but like, 50 years ago, they did a study on young kids, and they were like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the kids were like, oh, I want to be a firefighter. Oh, I want to be a basketball player. Oh, you know, I want to, whatever, go to the moon. They, they did this study 10 years ago, you guys. And they asked kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? Hands down, 90% of kids agreed they wanted the same thing when they grow up. I want to be famous. <clears throat> and how pathetic is that? I mean, you look at famous people, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Their, their lives, I mean, just look, every time you're at the grocery store, look at People Magazine, somebody's getting divorced, somebody cheated on somebody else, somebody was sleeping with young kids, somebody, I don't know, it was, it's, a, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. And somehow, we want to be like, I don't know, LeBron James. Guy, yeah, I know he's terrible. I'm just trying to pick somebody, you know, <clears throat> that's well known. We want to be famous and I don't get it. I really don't. And I think it's because you guys just don't get to see what I see. You don't understand that evil, even the littlest bit corrupts. And when you really dive deep into it, it absolutely corrupts. What you don't get to see that I get to see. You don't get to see young girls come and sit in my office crying, bawling their eyes out because they've been used by so many guys that they feel that they're incapable of love. You don't see that. I see that. You know what else you don't see? You don't see married couples that are so messed up because the husband was an alcoholic because of his partying days in college and his wife is unfaithful because she was so promiscuous in college. You don't see that. I see that. You don't see a young kid who is crying uncontrollably because he's bullied so bad at social media that he wants to kill himself. You don't see that. I see it. And I wish you would see more of it. You've probably never seen an exorcism. I have. I was part of one. I watched a 90-pound woman throw a grown man across a room into a wall while speaking five different languages. You don't see that. You know what was the cause of it? 
She was a beautiful young woman, had a bright future. But in college, she was sleeping around. She got pregnant. Her boyfriend forced her to have an abortion, and she couldn't forgive herself. Her hardness of heart led to her getting possessed. You don't see that. You think evil's fun, at least in some like small capacity. That that's where the good time is. You don't see you don't see you know young men, young women. They have a bright future. They're smart. They're going everywhere, and all of a sudden they're in the the psych ward because they've done too many drugs, and they think they're insane. You just don't get to see the stuff that I get to see, and I really wish you did because then you would see the lies of this world. I had one. This was unbelievable because this is the other thing. You look at the sacraments. And you're like, oh, I mean, communion is communion, confession is confession, blah, 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 blah. I go and receive, nothing happens to me. My first year as a priest, first year as a priest, actually like the first three weeks, I was at Mass, and I was, I, was pre- I was preaching a homily for a wedding. I didn't know the family, and as I was preaching, every time I said things like Jesus or God, I would notice this young girl, she would like, she would, she would, do, she would literally like, oh, like, like I was hitting her. <clears throat> so then, because I'm an idiot, I started doing it more. Because <laughs> I, I would, I'd never seen something like this. And I'm like, you know what? Jesus loves you. And she's like, oh. And I'm like, wow. This is amazing. <clears throat> so I'm sitting there. And this keeps going on, going on. And then it comes time for communion. And as she comes up for communion, I'm like, okay. And I'm sitting there, body of Christ. Body of Christ. Everybody. She comes up, and I'm like, body of Christ. And she's like, ah. Oh. And I'm like, I'm like, did anybody just see that? You know, like, and she leaves. <clears throat> Afterwards, she comes back into the sacristy with her dad, and she's staring down at the ground. And I'm, I'm like, her dad's like, she needs to receive communion. I'm like, yeah, I already tried that. That didn't work really well. And she's like, no, she's suffering from possession, and she needs to receive communion. So I was like, all right, you know, I went out and I grabbed the Blessed Sacrament and I come in and I'm like, call her Laura. Laura, do you want to receive communion? Nothing. I'm like, Laura, do you want to receive communion? Nothing. Finally, she looks up at me, you guys, and I, I, I literally, like, I, I, I'm trying to get better at cussing. But she looked at me and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> you guys, I have never seen darkness and despair and terror in a person's eyes like I saw in hers. And then she said, this just quiet little voice, yes. And so I said, oh, yes. She received the Eucharist, boom, hits the ground. Berserk, I mean, just starts flailing around, screaming. The dad is like, hold her down. I'm like, down the ground. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then all of a sudden she just like goes dead. And I'm like, well, I killed her. <laughs> Jesus killed her. You know? <clears throat> and he said, I said, I looked at the dad and he's like, don't worry, father. He's like, this is the only time she gets any rest. I said, what happened? He said, she was at college and she got involved with the Ouija board, playing it with her friends. And that was it. It's real, you guys. This stuff is real. I don't tell you this stuff to sit back and be like, oh man, that's awesome. Like possession. No, I tell you this. To protect you. Did you see that the faith is not just about rules, 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 rules. That's what we hear all the time. And these rules are ruining my good time. That's not it. The rules are there to protect you. To enhance your life. To make your life exciting. Not to ruin it. But if all you see in this life is your faith as rules, you're never going to live it. It's about love. It's not about rules. Trust me, I haven't always been a priest. I lived a life, I tried a lot of things to find my happiness. And I never found it until I started living for, for Christ. And I mean that. <clears throat> and you can sit back and be like, well, I try to live my faith and I don't. Nice, I did that on purpose. <clears throat> I try to live my faith. And I don't experience anything. I say, how much do you live your faith? How much do you give yourself to your faith? Oh, you're kind of on both sides. You're trying to live the life that, that the world's offering, dabbling there. And then are you trying to live the, the life over here? That's the life of Christ. Because it doesn't work. 
You have to make a decision. And the world has a whole set of mantras, right, that it's given to us. And one of those things that I've noticed in my teaching of high school kids, college kids, is this, like, sales pitch of the world. If it feels good, it is good. If it feels good, it is good. <clears throat> but I got something to say to you guys. Not everything that feels good is good. I mean, d d does getting in shape for, for basketball or football, is that, is that fun? No, they call it hell week where I come from. It's terrible. But you do it because you want to win the game. That doesn't feel good. I'm going to give you an example of my own life. <clears throat> I lived down in uh, Mexico for about five months. I was studying Spanish, uh, which I retained very little of it <laughs> because I was an idiot. And uh, I did a lot of surfing while I was down there instead of a lot of studying. <clears throat> so... One time we went to uh, Puerto Escondido, which is in Oaxaca, southern Mexico. And uh, we went, because it's one of the top ten surf beaches in the world. And why, you know, why not? A kid from North Dakota, why shouldn't he go to one of the top ten surf beaches in the world? You know, like, what the... I, I don't even live... I live, like, as geographically as far away from an ocean as you can possibly live. <clears throat> we have a town that was made as a joke in our state called Beach, North Dakota. Because it is like geographically as far away from a beach on the coast as you can get, okay? So anyway, I'm down there and I, I'm sitting and I'm like, you know, we're trying to surf. That's a whole other story. I'll tell you later maybe. But we went to this. We realized we couldn't surf Puerto Escondido. It was too big. Like 15-foot walls of water crushing you, killing you. So we decided to go to this little place called Puerto Angel. And Puerto Angel is a much smaller, you know, it's a small town. They don't have, even have electricity. S small waves. Well, anyway, we got, done, we got done surfing one day and we were coming back and my buddy Joe... And I, we, we were walking past this restaurant and it said, lobster's two for one. And I'm like, dude, I freaking love lobster. And he's like, yeah, I love lobster too. And he's like, it's two for one. Let's do it. Now, at this, we were with some, we were studying with guys from Mexico, like Mexicans. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Don't judge me, I'm from North Dakota, sorry. <clears throat> so they're, they're, they're with us and they're like, Don't eat there. And we're like, why not? What's the big deal? It's like lobster's two for one. And they're like, you know, you keep lobster fresh. And we're like, yeah, you put it on ice. And they're like, well, how do you get ice? And like, from a freezer. And like, what, how does the freezer run? I'm like, with electricity. And he's like, what does this town not have? And I'm like, eh. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? They're probably sitting back there. <clears throat> they're in this like tank, you know. And, and, and the guys are like, don't eat here. Now, time out in this story, okay? These, my buddies from Mexico, they symbolize God, if you haven't picked that up. So they're telling me not to do something that I really want to do and is really good. And why are they telling me that? Are they telling me to ruin my life? No. They're trying to save my life. So you know what I did? I said, the heck with you guys, I'm eating lobster. <clears throat> so Joe and I go in. We sit down. We have two lobsters. Man, I had like butter on my face, had a Corona. It was great, you know, I looked a lot better back then, had longer hair, <clears throat> Pacific wind blowing through my hair, you know. So, later that night we get back, and about 9 o'clock, you know, there's no electricity, so you just go to bed, because it's dark. And uh, the guys, we meet uh, our buddies, and they're like, how was it? And we're like, it was great, man, two for one. It was like the equivalent two of like seven American dollars. So, we're sitting, and they're like, well, I guess we were wrong, whatever, so we go to bed. And I don't know the exact time. But probably about 2 a.m., 3 a.m., I don't know. I woke up, and you know you're kind of in that, that sort of awake, sort of asleep. I was there, and I was like, what? Why is it so wet? Like, I thought I peed the bed. And then I kind of came to, and I was like, wow, am I hot? I don't know. I would guess I was running about 104, 105-degree fever. And it was sweat in the bed, okay? <clears throat> so I sit up on the side of my bed and I'm like, I'm so, I, my, my face feels like it's melting <laughs> off of my skull. And I'm like, I can't see. And you know, I'm like, what? And I'm like looking over at Joe, you know, and he's just, you know? And I'm like, what is happening? And then all of a sudden, it was like somebody reached into my stomach, <laughs> grabbed it and started stabbing it with a knife. Like it was just, <clears throat> and I was like, oh, like, I was trying to scream to get, I was like, ow, ow. No, but everybody said, like, I couldn't, couldn't breathe. And all of a sudden, it was like, and I'm like, and I'm like, you, you start freaking out, you know? 
And all this, again, I don't know if this movie's too old, but have you guys seen Dumb and Dumber? Yeah. All right, all right, good. So you know that part when he's sitting and it goes like, that's a real noise. That happened to me and it was like, and I was, I knew I had about 10 seconds before I exploded. So I'm running at top speed for the bathroom, like, oh, please God. So I run, I like throw the door open and jump and in the air, I am already crapping, okay? <laughs> Land on the toilet and just like, oh, you know, like that scene. I, I always thought that scene was just funny because it's funny, but it's real, like that really happens. And you're just like, oh, like I thought I was gonna like lift off the toilet, like there's enough propulsion for that. So I'm sitting there, so it stops, and I'm like, oh my gosh, come on, get ready. And then I'm like, and I turn and I vomit into my own crap. And I'm not 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 to be disgusted. It's like splashing up on my face. I mean, it was horrific. So then it's just like pooping, vomiting, pooping to the point where I'm like, there can't be anything left in me, you know? So I'm finally sitting on the toilet. <laughs> it's a break. It's a moment of like, <laughs> and all of a sudden, the, <laughs> the door flies open and Joe's like, and he lowers his shoulder and like ejects me off the toilet and then he starts I don't know what happened after that because I literally like blacked out the ne all I remember is the next morning <laughs> I'm sitting there I got I got crap running down my legs it's on my face it's on the walls <laughs> And I'm and Joe and I are laying there like, and all I remember is five Mexicans smiling, like, how was that lobster? You guys, the point of this story is first of all to humiliate myself, a little self-deprecation, but more so than that, listen. When I was presented with the choice, okay, when I was presented with the choice to do what I wanted to do. When I was told, don't do that, why were they saying don't do that? Because they were trying to protect me. Now, for the record, did the lobster taste good? Yes. yes. But what I was not doing and what I want to encourage you guys to do today is I was not thinking long term. One of the worst things, one of the worst things is like, you know, I'll work with a young woman or a young man and like a young woman, you know, like she gets like contracts an STD and she's like, how did this happen? I'm like, are you kidding me? I know exactly how this happened. Remember you were sleeping with that guy and I told you not to? <clears throat> yeah, but I never thought I never. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't think at all. And that's the problem with your guys' generation. I have, our generation has problems. The baby boomers have probably the most problems of everybody. <laughs> but you guys, your, one of your problems is the immediacy of choice. It's presented, you choose it. You don't think long-term. You don't think ramifications. You know, the, the, the joke I was using my high school students, I'm like, so somebody comes up to you like, hey, you should do meth. You don't just like, oh, okay. You know, you sit back and you say, Okay, why should I do math? Oh, because you feel like, great. Okay. Uh, what about like, when I don't feel great? Oh, well then you want a whole bunch more. <clears throat> well then what happens? Well, you get super addicted and you can't quit and your teeth and hair fall out. Oh, um, you know, I think I'm gonna forego that. I think I'm gonna pass on the meth this time. But we don't think, we don't ask questions. We have got to start to be critical thinkers about what is happening in our lives. If you're not critically thinking about your life, you're gonna fail. And the rules, just again, I, I just wanna hammer this, the, what we call rules, they're there to protect us. You guys, rules are in everything. I was a huge soccer player. I played all the way through college. I knew a lot of football players. I played football for a while. I played basketball. I love sports. Here's the thing. What governs sports? Rules. Actually, good point. You know why you need a referee? Because people cheat. 
like LeBron James. <clears throat> Perfect. But in a... But he, and he, here's the other thing too, when you're watching a sport, at least for myself, when I'm watching a sport, when I get most upset is when somebody breaks a rule. Like a guy's going out for a pass, lays out, and the dude just levels them. And you're like, pass interference! Pass interference! I mean, like throwing stuff at the TV. Why? Because the rule is broken. But, but here's the catch. In life... When young men and young women are breaking rules left and right, nobody's like, no, that's terrible, rules broken. Everybody just says, yeah, do whatever the heck you want. How can rules govern all of, all of humanity in all its many facets, but it's somehow, when it comes to morality and making choices for good and evil, do whatever you want. Imagine Monday night football with no rules. Monday night, do whatever the hell you want. What? <laughs> Shut up. Getting too big for his britches back there. Okay? You guys are capable of immense greatness. You really are. Listen. You're capable of immense greatness. You are also capable of immense evil. And any one of you can be a saint and any one of you can be a terrible, terrible person. And it all boils down to choice. And every choice you make, you guys, every single choice you make is turning you into a type of person. And the choices you make turn you into the person you will become. So at the end of your life, if you have a great life and you're living the dream and you're ready to go to heaven and you got a good family and you're... Who's, who's, who's to blame for that? You are. And at the end of your life, you hate your life and you say all my mistakes, all the things that I did wrong, I'm just a terrible person. Who are you to, who's to blame for that? You are. And you might say, somebody might say, you know what, Father? That's not fair. You don't know what I've been through. You know what? I don't. I don't know what you've been through. But I do know this, that whatever has happened to you in any of your lives, it is not who you are. It does not define you. What defines you is God Almighty. And if you stay focused on that, your life becomes a wild ride. If you don't, <clears throat> if you stay with your wounds, your sufferings, the terrible things that have happened to you, and I don't want to de legitimize any of those, they are terrible, and terrible things happen. In fact, almost everybody, if not everybody in this room, has terrible, terrible wounds. Terrible things have happened to them. And all of us walk around like everything's okay, and it's not okay. It's not okay. But those don't define you. And if you let your past define your present, you will never have a future. Do you understand that? If you let your past define your present, you will never have a future. So it's all about choice. Every choice presented to you. I don't know if you guys know uh, Alexander the Great. You ever heard of him? Just a really awesome dude. 24 years old, he had conquered most of the modern world. Known world, I guess, at the time. But he had a really interesting way of conquering people. <clears throat> After he beat them in the war, he would come in and he would say, all right, here's the deal. I'm in charge. You're under me. But you can keep all your cultural practices. You can keep your religious practices. You can keep your lifestyles. You just realize that I, I am in charge. And they're like, fine, I guess that works. He said, but for the record, I would just like for you guys to try some Greek food. And they're like, we hate Greek food. He's like, you don't even know. Try the Greek food. I'll pay for it. It's a big buffet. It's outside. Go check it out. So they go outside and they're eating, you know, Greek food. And they're like, dang, Greek food's pretty good. So he says, yeah, I told you guys. Greek food's great. You know what else is great? Let me tell you what else is great. What else is great is the Greek theater. You guys ever seen our dramas, our tragedies, our comedies? They sit back and they're like, we hate any of you, everything Greek. He says, watch it. So they watch it. And they're laughing at the comedies and crying at the tragedies. And they say, you know what? We like Greek theater. He said, I knew you would. You know what else you're going to like? You're going to love Greek philosophy. Read some books. And they're like, we hate Greek philosophy. He's like, just read the books. They're free. I'll throw in some food for crying out loud and a few tickets to the next show. So they start reading the philosophy. They're like, dang. The Greek philosophers are freaky smart. And then, you guys, it goes on and on and on. And one day they wake up and you know what they say? Frick, we're Greek. Alexander the Great, the way he conquered a people was little 
by little by little. <clears throat> Nobody put their foot down. Nobody said, no, I am not doing that. He just said, he just, just try it. And it's the same thing that's happening. Now, we don't have an Alexander the Great that's doing it. We have a whole ideology, the world, to go with the world. Look, here, here's some pornography. No, I can't. I, I was told never to look at it. Oh, come on. Just try it. And you look at it and you're like, dang. Never seen that before. And then all of a sudden you're looking at it a lot. And then you're dating a girl. And you're like, you know, everybody's telling me I should be sleeping with my girlfriend. But I can't, I'm not supposed to do that. I'm supposed to respect this girl. They're like, oh, come on, man. Just try it. And so you try it. And little by little by little, you turn yourself into a hellish individual. So the question is, <clears throat> are you strong enough? Because the reality of it is, the world's got enough idiots. It does. You know what it doesn't have any? It doesn't have any saints. And this world needs saints. Because without saints, it's going to collapse. You guys, idiots are all the same. You know, like I sit back and I'm like, why is you know, this guy like a popular guy? He's an, he's an idiot. And he's just like all the other idiots I've ever met. Why is that? I don't know. Do you really expect, do you really expect that fame, honor, power, pleasure, all those things, like they're going to change your life? Like they're going to make it better? Because after all that, you're still going to be you. No matter how much money you have, no matter how much popularity you have, you are still going to be you with your brokenness, your sin, your weakness. No amount of material possessions is going to take that away. None. I want to show you just a quick video. It's a two-minute video um, of a guy I think that none of us like. His name is Tom Brady. <clears throat> but if we're honest, Tom Brady is, I think, I, 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 like I don't like the guy. I think he's... He's terribly arrogant, whatever, but he is probably the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. As much as you have to admit that, you know, whatever. But I want to show you this. Listen, you guys. Listen to what he says. When I saw this, I was like, no way. Because Tom Brady has everything. He's got everything. I actually went when I was in, I studied in Rome, and I went on a, a catacomb tour where you go down into the catacombs of the early Christians, and Tom Brady was on the tour. I didn't even know who he was at the time. He was a pretty brand new quarterback. And my buddy's like, dude, that's Tom Brady. And I'm like, who's Tom Brady? And he's like, that's a quarterback New England Patriots. Like he had just won a Super Bowl or something. And he was with at that time his girlfriend, Giselle, the great Victoria's Secret model, who is a real pain in the butt. The whole time we were down the catacombs, she's like, it's cold. I don't like it out here, Tom. And like, he's just like, just go along with it, you know? And we're cracking jokes and he's laughing with us. And anyway, so I... I, got, I didn't get to know him, but I, I got to meet him. It was kind of cool. So anyway, when I saw this, I was blown away. 60 minutes. Tom Brady, the quarterback of the New England Patriots, is not only one of the NFL's best players, he's one of the NFL's great stories. At the tender age of 30, he has already won three Super Bowls, an accomplishment that ranks him with some of the best quarterbacks ever to play the game and he's having one of the greatest seasons in pro football history. When we first reported on it back in 2005, he seemed underrated and almost overlooked. He doesn't have the arm of Peyton Manning, he doesn't have tattoos, and he doesn't take steroids, and he's never held out for more money. All he knows how to do is win. <laughs> That's what you always wanted. <laughs> you're right, you're right, it has. And I didn't think it came with all the other baggage, though. In addition to his success on the field and his sex appeal often, there is also the $60 million 10-year contract to play with the Patriots. I mean, I'm making more money now than I ever thought I could ever make playing football. <laughs> but with all that money, fame, and career accomplishments, we were surprised to hear this from him. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and, and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean... Maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is, me. I thank God. 
got to be more than this. What's the answer? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. Now, I don't know if you caught this. So this is Tom freaking Brady. The quarterback of all quarterbacks. And I love when he says, I think, God, there's got to be more than this. I'm like, Tom, you just said it. God. The thing is, is we have a God-shaped hole in our heart, and we try to fill it with all the things of the world, and we always come up short. It's always, I don't know, like, do you ever get that, you get something new, and you're like, yeah, like, it is new. And you're like, yeah. And then, like, two months, you're like, okay. (laughs) Next thing. I mean, the world feeds on this insatiable appetite that we have to fill this infinite hole with finite things because the things of the world just don't satisfy. That's why I said, I was talking to the parents last night, I was like, why do you think there's an iPhone 10? Because the other nine, well, they skipped nine, the other eight just weren't enough. I got a brand new car about five years ago and I'm like, good, I got a new car. I got a freaking car, this is awesome. Like I, I made a purchase. And then about, I don't know, three months after buying the car, I'm driving by the dealership and I'm like, man, I should have got a truck. Are you kidding me? I got a car. Most people don't even have a car. But we got it. We sit back and we, we, we want, we have this desire inside of us, but we choose to fill it with the stupidest things, you guys. Instead of sitting back and saying, you know what? I have tried the things of the world. And I'm not saying the things of the world are bad. I love the things of the world. But we can't sit back and say, like, those are the things that are going to make my life. They're going to make me into the person I want to be because they can't. And that just doesn't work. And so we have to look. Because it's not working, we got to look somewhere else. And I want to submit to you today that there are two things. Two things that if you legitimately give it a chance, it is going to change your life. And the two things are this. Learning how to love the cross in your life, which is really hard. Because all we're given day in and day out is pleasure, 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 comfort, comfort, ease, ease, ease. And the cross is none of those. And the second thing is, is to come to know the Lord. I think most of the problem with Catholicism today is nobody knows Jesus. We're saying you got to follow Jesus. You got to listen to Jesus. You got to do his, you know, follow his rules, his commandments. And everybody's like, why? If you asked me, if you said, Father, how, why, why, do you follow, why do you follow Jesus? I'd say because I know him and I love him and I trust him. I don't, here's somebody I kind of want to brag about just a little bit because I am from North Dakota. You all heard of Carson Wentz. <clears throat> Philadelphia Eagles, probably, I mean, on the road. Who knows what's going to happen? But on the road to being a great quarterback. He was from Bismarck, North Dakota, where I'm from. He went to Century High School. I saw him play basketball when I was chaplain at St. Mary's High School and in St. Mary's Gym. Great guy. Met him a few times. He's a good man. One of the quotes I heard from him recently is he says, whenever you're in love with something, you talk about it. He's like, if I'm in love with my wife, I like to talk about her. If I'm in love with my job, I like to talk about it. Me, I'm in love with Jesus Christ. And so whether you like it or not, I'm going to talk about it. That is awesome. In the, in, in the culture and the place he's in, I pray for Carson, man. Because he's, he's in the heat of the mess. And he is standing strong. And he's not weird like Tim Tebow. Because <clears throat> Tim Tebow is a little weird. He was too much. Carson is just living his faith, playing football, and trying to do what's right. And that's what Christ is asking of every one of us. But you know why Carson does what he does? Because he knows Jesus. How do you get to know somebody? You got to spend time with them. First and foremost, you got to spend time with them. You know, if like we were friends and I'm like, hey, you want to hang out? And you're like, no, I'm kind of busy. I'm like, okay. Hey, you want, you know, like come over, we can hang out and, you know, go to the mall or something. You're like, no, I got other friends. Okay. Hey, you know what? Like maybe I was thinking we go get, to, you know, watch a movie or something. No, I'm kind of busy tonight. After a while, I'll be like, you're not my friend. You don't like me. I always ask people, I'm like, who wants to go to heaven? And everybody's hands go up. And then I'm like, who goes to Sunday Mass every Sunday? And half the hands go down. And I say, who prays at least 15 to 20 minutes a day? And almost the rest of the hands go down. And I say, so let me get this right. You want to spend eternity with Jesus. But you don't want to spend any time with him now. 
The Lord Jesus is the only new thing to happen to humanity since the foundation of humanity. He came with a radically new, different way of looking at life. Radically new. He said, no, it's not about you. It's about others. Learn to love the cross. Learn to do what's more difficult. And you will become great. As I said, some of you are meant, you're, you're all meant to be great saints. Some of you could be terrible people, but the vast majority, unfortunately, because nobody knows the Lord, you're going you're gonna to settle for mediocrity. But it doesn't have to be that way. You can make the choice every day to be great. But it takes self-discipline. It takes self-mastery. It takes self-sacrifice. And it ain't going to happen overnight. Whatever kind of man you want to be, whatever kind of woman you want to be later on in life, live it now. Think long term, not short term. How do you love the cross? I'll give you an example. My own life, I was a, one of the places that I love comfort is airplanes. I fly all over the place. And so a lot of times I get bumped up to first class, which is always awkward because <clears throat> everybody stares. I'm a priest in first class. And everybody walks back and they're like, you son. Call yourself a priest sitting in first. I mean, you can even, I'm like, I can hear you sitting right. I mean, can, I mean people will be like, can you believe it? It's a priest in first class. I'm like, why don't you just talk out loud? Because your whisper voice is the same as your regular voice. And like when I first got bumped up, you know, I was sitting there, you know, and I'm like, you know, and somebody's like, hey, Father, I'm like, hey, can you believe I got bumped up? No way I could pay for this, right? You know, I got bumped up. Weird. I wonder if anybody needed it, I would give it to them. I swear I give it to you. So anyway, one time I was going to Rome, and I, and I always make sure I got the aisle exit row, because it is the best seat. <clears throat> Lots of room. It's awesome. So I'm sitting there, and I meet, this, I, I'm, I meet these two priests that are going over to Rome, and I come up, and I'm like, hey, one was this big, fat Franciscan. Just a jolly old guy. You got to love those guys, man. They're so much fun. Just full of Lord, full of joy, full of everything, man. And then I turn around, and I, this other guy, and I'm like, he's really tall, slender. And I'm like, hey, man, what's your name? And he's like, Archbishop so-and-so. And I'm like, well, <laughs> your excellency, very nice to meet you, right? And we're sitting there talking for a little bit, and then they start boarding the plane. Well, the archbishop gets on, and he's, he's like in the, you know, the middle row, the terrible row, you know, where you're like this? He's like in there, and he's really tall, so his knees are like crunched up, and he's like, he's between these two enormous men. And I walk by, and I'm like, hey, archbishop. <laughs> I'm just going to my exit row, you know? <clears throat> So I walk past him, and all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? That's pretty cool. He's an archbishop, and like, he chose to sit in, in coach back in the you know back of the plane in the middle. I bet he just loves suffering. So I'm like putting my stuff away, and all of a sudden internally I just hear this: "Give up your seat." And I'm like, "Hold on, here, Lord. This is over the ocean. This is a nine-hour flight. You wouldn't possibly want me." To sit where the archbishop's sitting. That's cool. <laughs> Give up your seat. Ah, oh, boy. Um, you know, I'm going to pass on that? Uh, so it's, finally, the Lord always talks to me in threes. And it's not audible. It's these kind of internal movements. Now, I always say the first is the Holy Spirit. Because that's the prompter. And then it's the Son. Very gentle. Then it's the Father. And you don't ever want the father to talk to you. He's like, give up your seat, you loser. And I'm like, okay, okay. So I walk up and I go, I go up to the archbishop and I'm like, I was like, your excellency, I, I just see you're really cramped in there. And, and I have an exit row, tons of leg room. D- do you want to just trade seats? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, dang it. I knew it. So he goes, he's like, that is so nice. So he goes back and he's like sprawled out later on in the flight, you know, sleeping. And I'm between these enormous men, you know, it was terrible. But when I got off the plane, I was like, yeah, like, all right, I did it. You know, I don't do it very often. I'm trying, but like I legitimately did it. And it was this movement kind of of joy. So the, the pain, the suffering at times it eventually brings joy, but the world's all backwards. It says, do all the stupid stuff now. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also you're like, whoa, you know, and you're like, whereas the Lord's like, no, it's, it's hard now. It's hard, but guess what? Yeah, then life gets beautiful. Because when you get married, the bulk of you are going to get married. Some of you are going to be priests, some are going to be religious. 
Are you going to be the man that you need to be at that moment? Or are you, are you banking on, you know what, when I get married, then I'm going to become a good man. Then I'm going to become a good woman. Because it ain't going to happen. You've got to start working on your habits now. <clears throat> and more than this, you guys, more than anything, you need to love the Lord. You need to love the Lord. <clears throat> what I mean by that, I'm going to practically, this is what I'm going to tell you. Give him six months. Every day, give him 15 minutes of prayer, preferably in the chapel. doesn't have to be. And just say, Jesus, I give you my day. I want to know you. I want to see you. I want to experience your love. Do that for six months. Even better, start going to daily mass. It'll revolutionize your life. I wish I had time where I could actually be here and be with you guys. Because when I was at St. Mary's High School, I said... In, for Lent, I said, everybody that goes to Mass every single day, if at the end you've made all 40 days, I said, I'll take you out to eat, wherever restaurant you want to go to. First year, we had 10 kids do it. Second year, we had 20 kids do it. Third year, we had 50 kids do it. And the fourth year, my last year that I was there, we had 75 kids do it. I said, you guys realize I can't pay for all of you. <laughs> but I said, you are awesome for doing it. And you know what? The bulk kept going. I remember I went to daily mass, like in my own conversion story, I woke up and I'm, and I, just like Tom Brady, I was sitting there and I'm like, I was going to graduate. I had a job lined up getting paid 60, 70,000 a year. I uh, had a beautiful girlfriend. I know it's hard to believe, but I had a beautiful girlfriend. I'd been dating for like a year and a half. She, she was like, she really wanted to get married. I had it all. And one morning I woke up and I was laying in my bed and I'm like, is this it? I'm like, God, there's got to be more than this. You know what I did? I went to confession. <clears throat> so I'm sitting in the confession. I'm with this old Irish priest. His name is Father Peter Hughes. God bless his soul. He passed away two years ago. He's a good man. He'd always, so I'm sitting there. He's like, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> How long has it been since your last confession? And I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> long time. Well, welcome back to the sacrament. Okay. <laughs> What are your sins, you know? And I went through all my sins and got my penance. He gave me absolution. And I was getting ready to leave. And he's like, he's like, Senator, what are you doing for Lent? And I'm like, oh, because Lent was coming up. I'm like, I give up chocolate. <laughs> he's like, I got a better idea. Why don't you go to mass every day for all of Lent? And I'm like, they have mass every day? And he's like, yes. He's like, where have you been living? I'm like, at college. Oh, that explains everything. <clears throat> and I was like, but what time is Mass? I got 8 o'clock Mass. He's like, perfect. St. Anthony's has a 6.45. I'm like, 6.45? I'm like, that is going to be hard. And on it, I love the Irish. I was like, that's going to be hard. He's like, do you think it was easy for Jesus to die on the cross? <laughs> and I'm like, no, Father. <clears throat> and so I went to daily Mass. And I mean, and, right, and then right as I walked out, he's like, oh, and by the way, whenever you go, he's like, every morning, I want you to knock on your roommate's doors and ask them to come with you. I'm like, they ain't going to come, but okay, because I was having fun by this time. So like, the, I remember since there were two guys had their own rooms, and then I shared a room with a good buddy. We're still all friends, but like, he's, we still talk about it. The first morning, it's like, beep, 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 and I'm like, click, and he's like, what the hell are you doing? And I'm like... I'm going to Mass! You want to come? And he's like, no! And then it was, you know, like for the first week it was like that. And then by like week three it was like, beep, beep, click. No! <laughs> but I went to Daily Mass, went to Daily Mass, and all of a sudden things just started getting beautiful in my life. Like it was awesome! And then I started praying. And then my life started changing and I started experiencing things like I've never experienced before. Life like had meaning, everything had meaning. And I started to understand that all the, the, the rules were actually guidelines to right living, to bring joy to my life. And so I encourage you guys to do it, to live it, to love it. I'm going to end. I've probably already gone way too long. I'm going to end. I can go longer, man. <laughs> I got plenty of stuff, right? <clears throat> so I, but this is, this is, this is just one, one part. I remember when I was uh, in college, I called my BC life before conversion. Right when, 
when I was an idiot. I still am an idiot. I just love the Lord now. But we were out in the Gorge, Washington, which is this beautiful amphitheater. And it's like naturally hewn out of the rock. It's, it's like God, like me. He's like, here's for concerts, you know. <clears throat> and so we're sitting there and we're, we're watching. I, again, I'm probably dating myself a little bit. But the Dave Matthews Band. Um, yeah, you guys don't know him anyway. <laughs> we went to back to back to back shows, three shows in a row. And during the day, there was nothing really to do. So we just kind of driving around and we're like, hey, let's do something. And they're like, we saw these cliffs and we're like, let's go cliff jumping. <laughs> That's smart. <laughs> you know? So we start cliff jumping out like this 30 foot cliff. And we're like, this is awesome. You know, like we're jumping and flipping and doing all these things. And I look over and I see like, like a 90 foot cliff. And I'm like, well, if the 30-foot cliff is fun, the 90-foot's going to be like three times as fun. So we go over there, and, and so literally, we, we get to the edge of this thing, and when you're 90 feet up looking down, you're like, man. I'm like, yeah, well, I came up with the idea, so you should jump. And like, the other guy, shouldn't we check the depth? And I'm like, well, you can't see the bottom. You know, I mean, just idiots. And so we're sitting there, and there's five of us, and we're all talking, and everybody's like, well, you should go. No, you should go. Yeah, you go. No, you should go. And then these two girls came up, and they're like, hey, what are you guys doing? And they're like, ah, we're jumping off this 90-foot cliff. Actually, nobody's doing a damn thing. We're just standing here. And then all of a sudden, I was just like, you know what? This is ridiculous. We're just going to keep standing. So I just backed off. And I was just like, you know, just take off, and I'm like, yeah! You know, I'm like, whoa! Shit! You know, like, I'm like, I'm going to die, man. Because you get... When you drop about 30 feet, and then you're like, I still got 60 feet to go. And you're picking up more and more speed, and I hit like this. So it was like black and blue. The, one, of the, one of the girls jumped. She hit like this. So she was looking down, and just, wow! And she came up like, you know what I'm like? She's dead. <laughs> they like drag her over to this rock. But it was, it was amazing. As soon as I went, it was like, boom, 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 boom. Everybody started jumping. Because I'm like, it's awesome. You know, and they all went, except for one guy. One guy, just, he just couldn't do it. Later on that night, we're sitting around the fire. And these people go, and they're like, hey, what do you guys do for fun? And we're like, oh, man, let, let me tell you. We were at 30-foot cliff. We went to the 90-foot cliff. And we're like jumping off and like spinning. doing. All, and the guy that didn't jump was like, dude, it was awesome. <laughs> And I, saw, I looked down, I'm like, you didn't even freaking jump, man. And he's like, yeah, but you know, like, the cliff. We were up there. We were looking over the edge. No, that's a straight-up poser. This is the point of the story. We are standing right now. We are in really, really difficult times. And we are standing at the edge of this cliff called Catholicism. And you look down, and it's freaky. And you're like, I could die. I could get hurt. It's scary. It looks impossible. But will you jump? Because when you jump, people follow. Otherwise, everybody's going to stand there just looking over the edge. And nobody's going to do anything. And that's where we're at right now as a church. That's why we have no power. That's why we have no passion. That's why we don't live for great things. No great learning. No great art. No great architecture. Just worldliness. You guys, we are made for more. So much more. But it isn't just magical. You have to live it. You have to choose it. Every single day. And I will encourage you to always choose what is more difficult. Because when you choose to go with the world, you float downstream. You know what? Dead bodies float downstream. Only live bodies push against the current. And right now the current is strong. And you will be persecuted. And Jesus said that. But will you make that choice? In order to love the cross, you must first love him. <clears throat> when young men and young women, when they fall in love, they do the stupidest stuff. I read about this guy on Fox News. He jumped into a, a pit with panda bears and wrestled a panda bear. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, why would you do that? And it said... Because he was showing off for his girlfriend. <clears throat> I'm like, so this idiot's going to jump into a pit of bears, but he won't live his faith? When you love something, when you really, really love it, you will die for it. One last story. I was, I promise, I was, I remember talking to this guy when I was over in Rome, <clears throat> and he came up to me and he's like, 
you know, kind of really progressive. He's like, I think priests should be married. I think blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I think the, the, the church is just stupid for not having married priests. And I can't believe that you young priests think that you're in line with the church because you're not married. It's just stupid. The whole damn thing's stupid. And I said, I'm not kidding you. His wife is standing right there. And I'm like, yeah, well, your wife is ugly. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, what the? And, and, you know, like I almost escalated to a fight. And I said, sir, I just want to explain something to you. When you say that about my bride, it's the equivalent of what I just said about your bride. Because I love her just as you love her. And the dude's like, damn. I never thought about that. But that's when you love, man, you do crazy things. So I encourage you to fall in love. Give him 15 minutes a day for six months. Go to daily mass. Give him an honest shot. And he will change your life and try to start choosing. You're not going to get it perfect, but try to start choosing what is more difficult. Because that's where life exists. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come on, amen! Hey, wait, 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 wait. Can I tell one more story? <laughs> just, one, just one more. So, because I, here's the thing, you know, like we, we, when we see like real life, real joy, real love, we, we want it. I remember this guy, he got married. Uh, sorry, he'd been married for, I think, like 60 years or something. I didn't know at the time. And he was just like, his wife had died. And it was just like, they were so cute. Like they held, their, they held hands. They, they still like made out in public, which was kind of gross, but it was also kind of cool. And, uh, but anyway, they were just so in love, man. And when she died, he was just broken. Like, I remember watching him, like, lay on the coffin sobbing. Like, just, I mean, just brokenhearted. And I, and I eventually, you know, they, we did the burial. We came back and I said, I was like, John, what was the secret? Like, it's so odd, odd to even see happily married couples. But to see happily married couples after 60-some years or however long you were married... And he's like, yeah, he's like, when we, were, when we were married, the priest just told us, he said, you just always forgive and you always do your best to love the other more than you love yourself. And like, we took that to heart and we really tried to live it. And on top of that, we prayed together every day. And then he said, I said, John, I was like, man, that's beautiful. I was like, I never really caught, how long were you married? And he said, father, not long enough. Yeah, oh, now go live it! Because you don't get to say, oh, after 65 years by having an easy marriage. It was difficult, they struggled, they fought, but they forgave and they loved and they prayed and they made choices to love each other more than they loved themselves. And that's why you all say, oh, because you know it, you know it's real. And yet you settle for crap, so stop settling for crap, live for the Lord, live for others, and lay sights! sure everyone is awake now, huh? Okay, you guys are awake? Great. You have more stories, Father? More stories? <laughs> Great. Okay, you guys. Now, we're going to prepare for Holy Mass. And